0: You're listening to Super Flexology, a Super Flex focused fantasy football podcast with your hosts John Bauer and Mitch Sorensen.
1: Welcome to episode 29 of the Super Flexology Fantasy Football Show, a proud member of the Full Time Fantasy Network. We are back to deliver Dynasty content for your listening pleasure throughout the off season. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Mitch Sorensen, and that's at Dino MC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch?
0: Uh, nothing much, dude. I'm just happy that it's finally my favorite time of the year. I mean, the season's fun, but now it's the off season, which I mean, it means startups, it means player values. It's gonna be awesome.
1: I don't think that I've had more fun during a fantasy season as I have this season, but I can also tell you it has been the most mentally draining season I've ever been involved in. I, as you know, as all the listeners know, I got a little bit carried away with startups this last season, so I'm up to 42 dynasty leagues. That, with our weekly fantasy football show, with the start-sit show, all the Twitter engagement, the new baby work, it has been a mentally draining year. And like you said, I love the offseason and the regular season, the playoffs, they were a blast. But I am so excited for the, what, nine months of pure speculation to go in full force at this point.
0: Yeah, because you can't be wrong. Someone has to try to prove you wrong through stats. And it's, it's just a lot more fun than seeing the first quarter victory laps that we see every single week on Twitter.
1: Exactly, and I was thinking about it earlier today. And we can—I you know, say we—it's a collective we. We can say whatever we want at this point, and if you have justification and reasoning behind it, like you said you're not wrong until next season. So it kind of gets frustrating at points because this is when a lot of the hot takes, I think they jump out and I would prefer they didn't. But like I said, and like you said too, Mitch, you have to prove me wrong, essentially. And I completely agree with that. But like I said, and I think we say this every year, this was a crazy season. And you look at the guys that help people win championships. It really is absurd. And I was talking about my one team, it was a 20 team Super Flex League. I outscored second place by over 300 points, but I had Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley, Dalvin Cook, Derek Henry, and it just was a crazy end to the season. And it was fun. We had a blast, but now it's time to really dive into the Dynasty content. I don't know about for you, but it feels like for everybody else, Dynasty kind of takes a back seat once the season hits.
0: Yeah, it's it's fun to set lineups and stuff, but I mean, all about dynasty is the off season. It's the draft coming up. It's being the first one to recognize what's going on in free agency, seeing who's a cut candidate, and being on top of all those things is how you're successful as a dynasty owner.
1: Right, and you know, of course, people are doing daily. People are doing redrafts. So I understand the focus going away from dynasty, and once the off season hits, which it has, and we start leading up to the rookie draft and free agency, that's when a lot of the Dynasty activity starts really gearing up. And it's funny because we'll sit there during the offseason and it will be you know, a certain week in a month. And we know very well it's going to be slow during that week. And, you know, we've talked about we're always like, oh, let's make it through this two week stretch and activity is going to start to pick up. And it really is like clockwork. We know exactly when things are going to pick up, when it's going to slow down. And at this point, startup season's upon us, right? You and I, we already took part in a startup and it was what was started two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. I enjoyed it. It was nice to get a startup, but I will say I was not as active during the startup as i typically am and you've seen me i'm in full force i'm making trades left and right but i think because it was during the fantasy playoffs i was a little more reserved and obviously my attention was a it was elsewhere at the time i think so probably next year i won't do a startup during the fantasy playoffs but as always it was still a lot of fun
0: yeah. And it's crazy. It's going to be predictive of what we see throughout the offseason is the rookie draft pick values are insanely high right now. And it's something that's going to be hard to keep up with because I think all of the calculators and everything, they just haven't adjusted for that yet. So
1: for our listeners, we did a 14 team super flex startup. And like we said, this was two weeks ago, the 2020, uh, and we included the 2020 rookie picks in the startup, the 2020 101, it went what 108 or 109 in the startup, it went before DeAndre Hopkins. You know, so that's kind of where we are with these rookie picks and the hype. And if you have those picks, you better not be moving them until the rookie drafts roll around. I think that's going to be a huge mistake. If you don't have the picks and you're looking to acquire them, I would throw feelers out. But Mitch, like you and I talked about off the air, this is going to be a very tough year to start a rebuild and effectively rebuild a team from scratch.
0: Yeah, you're just not going to be able to get rookie picks for those vets like we've seen already, and it's just going to get worse and worse. If you're trying to trade Julio Jones for a 2020 pick, good luck getting a first out of it right now.
1: And if it is going to be a first, especially in a 14-team league, it's probably going to be a little bit later. I think you're really going to struggle to get a mid-first, like you said, for a player like Julio Jones. And before we really dive into the content tonight, one more example, we're talking about these rookie picks. In a 14-team Superflex League last year, I acquired Kenny Galladay for two late 2019 firsts. I would make a wager, and I whatever you want, Mitch, that you're not getting two 2020 firsts for Kenny Galladay, even if they're late in a 14-team Superflex flex league.
0: No, I think you'll be lucky to get one, especially until the rookie draft happens. Maybe right. by next August that could happen, but there's no way now.
1: Before we get into the content here, we mentioned the rebuilds. And this is probably the time when you want to start focusing on getting those 2021 picks, if anything, if, if that's the direction you want to go. But those 2020 picks, man, they're going to be tough. Before we get into the meat of tonight's show, and we're going to ease into the dynasty content. So, We didn't want to jump right into player values and talk about free agents and upcoming rookies. We want to talk about league settings and formats that we're looking at when we're getting ready for these startups. But before we get there, there was a really interesting thread, Mitch, that I saw on Twitter, and I want to pick your brain and I want to get your thoughts on it. How do you view a successful fantasy season, whether it's financially, whether it's strictly championships, whether it's the way you built your teams? In a nutshell... How do you look back at this 2019 season and think, yeah, that was a successful season?
0: I think as long as I usually keep track of my contending teams going into the year. And as long as the majority of them make the playoffs and they're pretty good teams going into the playoffs, then I'm going to be pretty happy with the year. Because as we've seen this year, in a lot of my leagues, the best team didn't win the championship or isn't even close to winning the championship just because injuries happened. So as long as you put yourself in position for that to happen... I think that's a good year. And then I also was going to mention, if you're rebuilding, just keeping the plan with the rebuild and not, you know, October, you're four and two or you're five and three. And then all of a sudden you just start selling your picks for get assets just so you could get that six seed and get blown out in the first round of the playoffs. So I think that's pretty important, too.
1: That's a really good point. You have to make sure that you stay focused and you stay on the path that you established early on. And if you're looking to rebuild, you're not looking to rebuild to be mediocre. You probably went from mediocre to the rebuild. You want to get to the next step. And that's a really good point. And when I'm looking at the season, one, you can't be hemorrhaging money. I think it has to be a financially sound season. I would say as long as you're breaking even, we just mentioned off the air, Mitch, at least you're getting a free year of entertainment essentially and that's why we're all doing this it's for entertainment but you can't be hemorrhaging money like i said but also like you said most of the teams that are winning championships you can make moves during the off season you can make moves during the season and put yourself in a good situation to get to the playoffs And compete for a championship. Out of my 42 dynasty teams, 18 of them, it was 18 or 19, but I think it was 18, they were either first or second in points scored during the regular season. I am currently on pace to win three championships. You can do everything that you can to put yourself in a good situation, but once you get to the playoffs, there's so much variance. I had 13 teams in the championship game. Three of those are probably going to be a winner. And it's so easy to get frustrated. You and I, we talk in the different groups and you can tell that that the way people are kind of responding, people get a little pissy and people get frustrated and you and I were the same way, but you have to look at it as a whole, I think. And you just got to keep going in the direction and the path that you've set. So it's very easy to get frustrated. But if you're putting yourself in that good situation, and like you said, if you're rebuilding, keep rebuilding, continue down that road. And if you're building a contender, just because you didn't win the championship doesn't mean you have to go blow it up. So I, I think that's a really good discussion and topic. What do you see as a successful season? Because what's successful for you, Mitch, might not be the same thing for me. You have to look at what you're playing for and what you see as a successful season and then build off of that during the offseason and go into 2020 that way. So it was just something that I saw on Twitter that I wanted to talk about, and I'm glad we hit on it. So let's get into tonight's show. And I guess, Mitch, you could say this is kind of episode one of season two for us 2019 it was our first season we started this show in what april and now we're here going into our second season the off season's here and i am absolutely thrilled like we said, startup seasons here, we want to talk about formats and settings that we really enjoy and some pros, some cons, some things that we're looking at when we get into these startups. Mitch, start us off. What is one setting that you really have to have when you're joining a new league?
0: Well, I mean, this one's gonna be the no brainer, but it's at the top of both of our lists and it has to be super flex or two quarterback. And actually I really like two quarterback leagues because I made a couple of them this year and they're a lot of fun, but I will never be in another one quarterback Redraft or dynasty team again. And actually, I wish someone like DraftKings or FanDuel would have a super flex lineup that you could actually put in. I think that'd be a lot of fun.
1: And it would get a lot of traction. And I guess you could kind of say the captain contest is kind of like that, but I would like to see a full slate with the super flex or two quarterback. That would be very interesting. Obviously, I have super flex and two quarterback at the top of my list. I'm in a few one quarterback leagues, and it was because of the people that had asked me to join. I did. Moving forward, I won't do it. And the only reason for me, it completely... I don't want to say it just devalues the quarterback position because it does, but... It makes everything else so chalky, and we've spent time on that in the past. And I don't want to dive into it tonight, but it does. You know, you go into a startup, and if you do mocks, you have a pretty good idea of where players are going to go. When you throw quarterbacks in the mix and superflex and two quarterback, it goes completely haywire. And I love the chaos, and I love that every draft is completely different. So that's a must for me as well. You know, I'm looking at my list here, and some of these I just want to kind of rattle off, but some I'll spend a little bit more time on. I prefer tight end premium. And I think you're on there with me, Mitch.
0: I am definitely. The one thing, we're in a few tight end premium leagues where the tight end gets two points for a reception and that actually might be a little bit too much i think because what i've noticed is if you don't have one of the top five guys you don't really have a chance to compete because there's no way to make up those points and those top five or six tight ends are just so much better than everyone else in the league that when you're getting two points for each catch it just kind of blows everything else out of the water So I think I'm probably closer now to either starting two tight ends or 1.5, 1.75 as far as the premium goes.
1: I agree with you there. And I actually, I really enjoy the start two tight end formats, and it just makes you really think about the format. And we spent a lot of time on this last year, but you have to know your format and how the scoring impacts your league. That's critical going into a draft. If you're not familiar with the scoring settings, going into a draft and you didn't do your research, you're doing yourself a disservice. So two quarterback, super flex, one of those two, and then the tight end premium of some kind, we Obviously seeing eye to eye there, but another thing with the tight end premium, it's the same thing with two quarterback or super flex. It's changing the values. And again, if you do your research, you have an advantage. So that's one of the reasons that I also like the premium for tight ends and it kind of throws a wrench into everything. What's another setting that you have, Mitch?
0: Mine is just 14 teams. If I could only play in 14 team leagues, that would be my favorite. But the problem is a lot of people like the 12 teams. So you just kind of get roped into those a lot. But 14 teams and then the more starting spots there are, the better. If I could play in a 14 team league that has 12 starting spots, I'm all for it because it just makes the depth that much more important. And it makes your picks later in the draft that much more important as well.
1: Exactly. And if you look at redraft leagues, typically, like I know my home league, it's minimal starting spots. It's a 12 team league. So you don't really have to hit on a lot of those later picks. I completely agree. When you're doing your startups and you have more starting positions, you have deeper starting requirements and you're in a 14 or or I like 16 as well. But you know, you're talking about 14 team league. It does make it more challenging. And you have to acquire depth and that is critical to not only go far in the playoffs, but just to make the playoffs because we've seen with injuries, if you aren't able to make up for those injuries, you're going to be crippled and it's it's not going to be a great season for you. One thing that I have, this is just me personally, I prefer a snake draft over auction and the only reason for that, I've done two auctions, I'm terrible at them. I don't, have you ever done an auction draft?
0: I haven't and it's mainly just because I like trading so much and I think I'm good at the trading aspect And I'm afraid that I'll absolutely suck at the auction side of it.
1: So I've done two auction leagues, both of them. It took me until the second season. I, I worked trades. I was able to make some moves. But the first season with the teams I drafted, it was horrendous. Just my values were all over the place and obviously not a great strategy going in. But the snake drafts too. Of course, I love to trade as much as the next guy. Uh, Yeah, that's one of the reasons, too, that I enjoy a snake draft over an auction. This one is interesting because I know last year we talked about it and we disagreed on it, but I think I may have convinced you to flip on the issue. I don't want to be in a league with all flex spots. I prefer minimum starter requirements, like two running backs, three wide receivers, and then you can go to the one tight end, the quarterback, the super flex spot, and then maybe two or three flex spots. But we've seen, Mitch, when you're running into a league that has all flex spots, it kills trade activity.
0: It does. So we're in, what, it's a 24-team, two-copy league that's two quarterback with 10 flex. And there's hardly any trading between those 24 teams, because once you have your 10 flex spots, you could play anybody you want. And it really doesn't matter as far as who you drafted. If someone gets injured, you just plug someone else in and you're okay to go. So, yeah, you've definitely talked me into having more of the fixed positions and less flex spots than what I thought previously.
1: And I understand that it allows you to build your team the way that you want to, but as a result, the negative side of that is if I have a running back or wide receiver get injured and I don't have a lot of depth there, I'm still okay. And I'm actually in another league like that. It's a 14-team super flex league. I actually, it's one of the championships that I'm going to win. And my running backs were horrendous. And I I can't tell you right now who I had, but I'm pretty sure Adrian Peterson might have been my second best running back. So that kind of tells you how that team looked. But I had George Kittle. I had Travis Kelsey Julio Jones, I think I had Cooper Cup on that team. So I was okay everywhere else, but I wasn't forced to make a trade because I didn't have to because of the requirements. So for me and Mitch now, I've been able to convert him. Not a ton of flex spots in relation to the fixed positions. This is another one that I'm very passionate and I think strongly about. You cannot have a toilet bowl for your first overall draft pick. So the 101 should not be awarded to a toilet bowl winner. And I'm pretty sure that you share my same thoughts there.
0: Yeah, actually, I didn't know there was a debate about this till I saw one on Twitter like probably three weeks or a month ago. I don't understand why you would ever have a toilet bowl for the 101. The 101 should go to the worst team in the league so they could get better, and then the 102 should go to the second worst team in the league. Just like the NFL draft works, that's how your dynasties should work as well. So here's the argument I receive and the pushback that I get whenever I
1: have a debate with somebody on this. They say, well— The teams that are out of it should have something to play for, but also it eliminates tanking. And while it does that to an extent, and certainly it gives you something to play for if you're out of the playoffs, you're always rewarding those teams that are in the middle of the pack. And like you said, Mitch, the worst teams are not getting those picks. I'm pretty sure this is an exact quote from what I said during the offseason last year, but it's kind of a good, better, best situation for me when looking at how rookie draft order should be decided. The good... I would say just reverse order the standings. The better, I prefer a lottery for the bottom three, four, five, whatever amount of teams you want to you want to throw in there, but a lottery where it's weighted and yeah, maybe the worst team doesn't get the first pick, but it, it gives you more of a chance. And then my absolute favorite, which every league should be like this, potential points. So if the computer were to set an optimal lineup after the week, the potential points is going to be the best possible lineup and the team with the lowest amount of potential points should get the 101 because that is the worst team and we talk about rookie draft picks the point of the rookie draft is to build more parity in the league because if you have the best and the middle teams getting better while the worst teams are not getting any better you're gonna have people drop out like flies i just think it's a terrible format
0: yeah i mean if you're a commissioner of any league potential points just makes it that much easier because as we've seen in some of other leagues some people just stop putting in lineups and then potential points will at least fix that aspect of it you still have to worry about standings as far as playoffs and stuff but then potential points completely fixes the issue of people trying to tank on purpose for their draft picks some people you know they're not that smart. They'll try to do it anyways, even though it doesn't help them at all. And that's when the commissioner will have to step in to try to fix it. But in my three leagues, I didn't have any issues at all because potential points, everyone knows losing on purpose isn't going to help you at all.
1: Like I said, there's a good, better, best way to go about this. And for me, potential points, it's clearly the best. And I don't see an argument against it. Throw a few more at the listeners here. What are a few more settings, whether it's scoring, uh, league sizes, whatever it is? What do you have?
0: So the last thing I have as far as like scoring goes is I have three leagues that I commish and they all have 0.25 point per carry. And I'm kind of growing to hate it. I don't know how you feel on it, but it gives certain players who don't really have a lot of value a little bit too much. And it gives the top guys like Christian McCaffrey and Zeke and Barkley so many more touches than everybody else. That's really hard to make up that difference between the top guys and the middling, you know, running backs in the league.
1: Yeah, I I agree with that. The only thing is, if you're going into a league with it, and you know your league settings, you can adjust accordingly. But we are in some leagues where running back is king and you cannot cannot buy a running back for a reasonable price in those leagues. One thing that I have seen that I kind of like, it's giving partial points for a first down. So while you might have a plotter getting 20 carries for 70 yards in the 0.25 PPC format, their values inflated. If only a few of those are for first downs, they're not going to see that value increase. What are your thoughts there?
0: I'm I'm only in one league that has the point for first down and I like it a lot so far, but it was a league that I didn't pay a lot of attention to because I went in there just starting a rebuild. I didn't really, I didn't really try to put in um a competitive team to start off with cuz i kind of wanted to get that 2020 101 so i might know a little bit more about it this year but from looking from the outside it looked like it was a really good setting to go with
1: and it is giving more value to the guys that are actually being effective, as opposed to like the example I use the guy that's going 20 for 70. And in a 0.25 PPC league, he's getting an extra, what, five points for free. You know, looking at a few more settings that I, you have to give a bye week to the first and second seeds, I think. And you should reward the teams that did well throughout the regular season. I'm in a few leagues where, and, and one of them is your league, actually, top eight make the playoffs and there's no bye week. And I can live with it. It's not a must, but I just think it's something where the top two teams should be rewarded. I personally, I like weekly payouts for top scores. If it's a bigger league, if it's a small buy-in, you know, it's going to be a minimal amount, but in a bigger money league, it gives people something to play for every single week. So if you are out of the playoffs, you still have a chance to get something. I'm in one league where... Every single team makes the playoff. I am not a fan of that, and I'm going to tell you why. It really deters trading. So, Mitch, if you know that you're in the playoffs and you essentially only have to win three games, are you ever going to tank and try
0: to really rebuild? No, I would never join a league that's like that. I mean, I prefer the less spots they get in, get in the playoffs as possible. Definitely.
1: It's an interesting concept, and I enjoy the league overall, and I get what they're doing, but it was one of my concerns early in the season, and it kind of did play out that way. There's no reason... To really sell out for a ton of draft picks because anybody can catch fire at the end of the season. I got in as the sixth seed. Well, everybody got in, but I was the sixth seed and I actually made the championship. I ended up losing, but it's just, it only takes a few good games to really make a push. And it's really clear in that format. No trade deadline. I think I'm preaching to the choir on that one.
0: Yeah, that one's pretty big, but I was going to hit on this one because you hear a lot of backlash on it on Twitter about about people worrying about really bad trades and people selling out and how it just absolutely ruins the league to have a trade deadline. And I think as long as everyone's paying for the year ahead, there's no issue at all. So I'm in six or seven leagues that have no trade deadline and every single one of those, you have to pay a year ahead. So 2020 is already paid for. So if you orphan after this year, the person taking over that team is going to get that free 2020 season. And I didn't see one trade That I was like, whoa, that's going to kill the league, or anything even close to that. And it's, I just think it's a non issue unless you're not paying ahead. Like if I'm not paid for 2020 and there's no trade deadline, I could see huge issues coming with that. But I think as long as you pay ahead, you'll be completely okay.
1: And the key there is paying ahead. And just like you, I'm in several leagues with no trade deadline. I can't think of one where I looked at a trade and thought that was completely off the wall and one-sided. I like no trade deadline for the reason that One, let's say you run into uh, a—you have a few injuries towards the end of the season and you put together a great regular season. You're not handcuffed to the remaining roster that you have, and maybe this year you could have moved a Chris Godwin— for a Julio Jones do you know if if you're contending obviously and the Julio Jones owner was rebuilding that might have worked out but also it adds even we talked about parity earlier it adds even more parity to the league because and creates more parity because you have teams that are rebuilding that might have I'm going to use Julio Jones as an example and then you have teams making a push or maybe you're in your semis and you Chris Godwin was injured, they might be willing to overpay now for that Julio Jones type player. And you're allowing those teams at the bottom of the standings to gain tremendous value because they were able to move that veteran player to the team making the playoff push or the championship push. So those are a few reasons why I really like no trade deadline. Plus, you and I were just absolute trade degenerates, and we have to make a trade every single day. So it kind of helps us out. I have a few more here, Mitch, but do you have anything else?
0: The only one that I was really going to add is I found out best ball dynasty just isn't something for me. I felt really bad because it was the only startup. It was the only league that I orphaned this year that had the same startup this year. And the team's good. I mean, has a really good pieces on it has all of its picks left, but I absolutely hate the best ball format dynasty. I just didn't care about the league. I didn't look at it. I mean, I couldn't tell you who the players were for half the league. I think it's boring. It takes all the fun out of it. I know some people really love it, but it's just not something that I enjoy. I'm in one and you're still allowed to trade in this league, but
1: it is best ball. And like you said, it's one of the leagues I just didn't really look at a lot. And I wasn't as active as I typically am. And I felt bad. I'm I'm staying in the league, but it's still one that I just don't really care about too much. And I hate to say that, but yeah, it's, I it's I enjoy setting my lineup for better or worse. And it's something I won't be joining any more dynasty baseball leagues. So I'm there with you. And I have a few more here. Um we met in one format of leagues where there are 14 team leagues and they add a comp pick, the 115, so the 15th overall pick to the winner of a toilet bowl. I kind of like that. And while it's not giving you the 101 for winning a toilet bowl, it is giving you a little bit of something. So you're probably in that six to 10 range in terms of team rankings. So it's giving you a little bit extra push, but it's still nothing of crazy value. Somebody brought that up in a 10 team league that I'm in. And I think 111 is way too early. So that's something that I didn't like. In that situation, I thought a second might be decent value, but it's just something to think about. It does give the teams not in the playoffs something to play for. You know, it does help those middle-tier teams out a little bit. What else do I have here? I have two more. I don't mind all play. That's something that I found out this last season. But there's one league that I'm. it's all play, but it's all play through week 16. So there's no playoffs. Essentially, everybody makes the playoffs, but you can be out of it prior to week 13, 14. And that's another one where it kind of killed league activity because you had nobody really making a push because one team was so far ahead of everybody else. Whereas if you end it after the regular season and do regular playoffs, then you might have people making a push because they can sneak in and make a run there at the end of the season. Have you done a league like that?
0: I haven't. That almost sounds like kind of a quasi best ball league, but you're kind of setting your lineups. I don't know. That seems really weird to me.
1: Yeah, like I said, it's a... I like the idea at the time, but when you start looking at all these different formats and league settings, you can kind of see what works and doesn't work in terms of engaging league activity. And this is one format that just really didn't pan out. One last thing that I have, and this is the first season I did it. And Mitch, I don't know if you're in any leagues like this, but I do suggest you get into one like it. Victory points. So you get one. Well, in this league, you got two points for a win, one point for a tie, zero points for a loss. If you were in the top three, Third in scoring for a week, you got two points. The middle third, you got one point, And the bottom third, you got zero points. I snuck into the, well, I, I ended up being the two seed, but it was only because of victory points. There were so many games that I lost head to head, but I was still a top one third scorer on any given week, I was six and seven, and I was the two seed in the league. So that kind of tells you how it gives a little bit more balance, and it's not quite all play, but it's kind of a nice hybrid. So that's something
0: that I really enjoyed. I'm actually, so I'm in a league that's supposed to have victory points, and it's it's in the bylaws and everything, but the commission never set it up. And it's still in the bylaws now. And the commission, I mean, he's a good guy. He just doesn't pay a whole lot of attention to the league. Wait, did nobody notice in the entire league? Well, I just don't think anybody else cared, or even if they read (laughs) the bylaws in the first place. But it was funny. In that league, we were going over who should make the playoffs. And the people in the playoffs who were actually playing weren't the ones that were supposed to be as far as the bylaws go. (laughs) But since the games were already played, it just stayed that way. So it's been been kind of a weird year in that league but no i'm definitely gonna join a startup this year that has victory victory points
1: that's always good whenever nobody notices a certain setting yeah that needs to be taken care of your leagues did this and the other there's a few other leagues that were in like this and i absolutely love it and it kind of goes with the victory points but a little bit of a different spin let's say you have six teams make the playoffs Top four are based on standings. Fifth and sixth seed are based on points four. So you could have a team that just awful matchups every single week, but you're putting up points. You might be, and we've seen it, teams are four and nine going into the playoffs, but they're a top four team in points four. I think that is a really good setting that keeps teams active and engaged a little bit longer in the season. That might be having a bad year, but they're putting up points. And I, of course, I know you like that because you do that in your leagues.
0: Yeah, And we it play out too, is where some people realized, oh, hey, my record sucks, but I'm still scoring a lot of points. So they try to become a contending team. I don't actually think it worked out for that owner, but they actually went out and made trades. And that wouldn't have happened unless that setting was in place. Are you talking about me because both in Empire and
1: Champions League, I made the playoffs based off of points and neither of those leagues worked out for me this season.
0: It was that and Listener League, but that one wasn't you. (laughs) Wait, that was
1: me. Yeah, I I, there were three leagues we were in together and I made it based off of points. But that kind of shows you my luck for this year. I was getting beat up week in and week out, and I always put the message out in our group chats after I give up a lot of points and I say that I fired my defensive coordinator. I think I fired my defensive coordinator seven or eight times during the season in various leagues. So again, it's unlucky, but if you put this setting into your league, it kind of restores that luck a little bit and gives a little bit more balance. So it's something that I love to see that going into a league. It's not make or break for me necessarily, but it's something that I really enjoy. So those are kind of the formats and settings that we look for And there's no right or wrong answer here, except for the toilet bowl winner getting the 101. I think that's a wrong answer. But everything else, it's all personal preference. But these are things that we look for when joining a league. And I hope we gave you the rationale behind it. It's not just arbitrarily, oh, this is why I like this setting, or this is a setting I like, and that's it. So we talk about settings, we talk about formats, and Mitch, we've talked about this so much during the off season last year, but it's really important to know your league settings, especially prior to a startup. So I'm talking about scoring, the schedule, how playoffs run, payouts, trade deadline, starting requirements, rookie draft order. There's so many things that go into a league that you need to pay attention to. So if you're blindly joining leagues and you don't check the bylaws, that's on you as an owner. Do you have anything on the
0: settings, Mitch? Now, the one thing that I was going to add is it needs to have an app or something built into where you could talk trades with people. I'm In the Twitter leagues that I'm in, they're not very active because people aren't really active in the groups. But when you get in a group meet and there's actually a really good group guy of guys that are really active, you know, usually bouncing starts off each other. You're bouncing trades, trip values. And I think that helps out the league a lot. So that's definitely something else that I have to have in the leagues so that I forgot to mention.
1: I think it needs to be a requirement too. So I'm actually really glad you brought that up. We're in leagues where people drop out of the league chats and that's never a good sign. And it's tough for, you know, you talk about these different league sites that host the leagues and they don't really, they don't have the time to enforce that, that there has to be a league chat. So- the league members they essentially go in and set up themselves which we've done in any league we're in but you have people they refuse to join the chat and you see people once the season ends they drop out of the chat and you just know like it's not a good way to stay engaged in the league and i think in dynasty you really have to have that and kind of the sense of camaraderie it just makes the league more fun whenever you're able to talk to everybody and everybody's available so i'm actually really glad you brought that up mitch because that's a good point you know, like Mitch and I said, we are so excited to get back to the Dynasty content on a weekly basis. We loved and I'm, you know, I think I'm, I could speak for you here. We love doing the start sit shows with Dan and Jordan. It was an absolute blast. But for me personally, I'm a dynasty guy through and through. And this is what made me really want to get involved as much as I am in the fantasy community. So getting back to the dynasty content on a weekly basis and the craziness that's been the last month of my life personally, it's been a little hectic. So we even had to cancel a few of the start sit shows, but I'm ready to gear up here. The holidays are upon us. I'm sitting here. I'm staring at my Christmas tree with gifts under the tree. Who can't be happy right now? You know, Mitch, you know the off season, Christmas, New Year's coming up. It's a great time, and we did our first startup. That's under our belt, and we're gonna be doing several more throughout the off season. But the Dynasty content, it's me hitting you on a weekly basis. Do you have anything for our listeners before we sign off here, Mitch?
0: No, just expect an episode every week from here on out. There won't be missing any weeks or anything like that. We kind of want to make a little bit of an evergreen episode for everyone to go back and listen to if they want to talk, listen to what we enjoy about startups and look at that aspect of it. But from here on out, we're hitting player values, rookie picks, all the things that matter moving forward. So make sure you're listening. Just like you said, the rookie picks, free agents,
1: contracts. This is the time of the year and it's just getting underway where it's all pure speculation. And essentially it's a soap opera. You know, oh, is so-and-so going to sign here? Is this team going to pick up this player? And it is probably the most exciting time of the year, aside from probably the actual NFL draft and seeing these landing spots and seeing these players and their, their values changing and things coming to fruition. But yeah, like you said, an episode every single week. And I felt bad over the last few weeks, but Like I said, some things have come up, but we're ready to gear up. Dynasty content coming at you on a weekly basis to get you ready for the 2020 season. While we did take some time off during the season from our weekly Dynasty show, we are back. And like I said, we're going to be providing content week in and week out throughout the offseason. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at SuperFlexology. Have a great night.
0: Thank you for listening to the Superflexology podcast. If you want the latest news in fantasy football, follow us on Twitter at Superflexology, The Bauer Club, and Dino MC.